Thank you very much for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire here at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant-filled life. May the Lord bless you as you listen to this sermon. You know, we were singing that song, I Stand in All of You. And I'm just in the presence of the Lord, and Jesus is right there in front of me, and I'm just really captivated by His greatness, His beauty, His power, and just enjoying His protection, and just receiving His peace and His love. You know what I'm talking about? And I've, I've shared this kind of before, kind of a similar story. But if you watch, I'm here at the front, but I, I would prefer you watch Jesus. But my, my youngest, Ollie, usually during the service just comes up to me and tugs on my jacket. You know, and he does his hands like this. And he did it again this morning. And at this time, though, again, I'm just in the presence, right? I don't want to get out. And he just, he's persistent. He's persistent. And I heard the Lord just say, hold him, hold him, pick him up and hold him. And I just, again, I picked him up, I held him, I squeezed him tight, and he put his cheek up to my cheek. And I'm just, the Lord is saying, listen, Chris, just like I'm, what I'm doing to you right now, I want you to do that same thing to your son, to your children, to your wife. I want you to love your children and your wife with the same love that I am loving you right now. Amen. That's how much, that's the goodness and the greatness and the power of our God. Can we just give the Lord just another clap of praise this morning? Let's let him know how much we just love him so much. We love you, Jesus, so much, so much. Isn't God good? We started a Spanish-speaking service here today with Pastor Noel praying in Spanish. I'm going to go back home, open up my Rosetta Stone, try to learn some Spanish, right? That's a powerful prayer. I want to be a part of that group. That sounds like a lot of fun, Pastor Noel, and also the, the group that was here this morning. We are praying for you. You are just a part of us as we are a part of you, and we're excited about what God is, has done, right? There's already work being done amongst the Spanish-speaking community, but Thank God he's, he's got even more plans, right? And we're going to do our part to help reach those who speak Spanish with the gospel. We were out yesterday in a neighborhood that was mostly Spanish-speaking, and it was so good to have uh, some interpreters there to help us talk to folks and to let them know how much God loves them and the plan that God has for their life. And again, we meet together here every Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m., and we travel to different neighborhoods within our city. And that's what we do. We offer them prayer. We tell them that we love them. We tell them that we're praying for them. And we offer them a gift if we have it. Uh, sometimes it's food. Sometimes it's a Bible, whatever we have, or mask, face mask. And then we wait for Jesus to open up that door so that we can find what's the key to their heart. And then we begin to speak and minister to that. And many, many times we're able to walk through the entire gospel of Jesus Christ and to share Jesus's love story with our neighborhood. And I tell you what, it's the most, one of the most exciting times of my week. And, uh, and so we have a group, a team that is growing and we want you to be a part of it. And you may say, about Pastor Chris, I don't feel comfortable sharing my faith. That's all right. You know, come and listen to others and be a part of the prayer walking as we go. And as you go, the Lord will begin to teach you and train you how to also share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So please uh, think about being a part of that ministry. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts chapter 7. 
verse 35. Acts chapter 7, verse 35. And we're going to continue on with the series in Acts. I've enjoyed this series and not sure how long it's going to go, but uh, you know what? You can't go wrong with the book of Acts, right? That is what God is doing, that same, that same message God is doing today in our community. I'm excited to be in the pulpit. I'm excited to hopefully serve you something that will encourage you uh, with, uh, in God's word this morning. If we can all stand um, as we read the Lord's word together. Acts chapter 7, verse 35, and we're going to go through verse 53. We have a lot of text to work through. This Moses whom they rejected, saying, Who made you ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside, and in their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your God, Raphon, the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he spoke to Moses, uh, directed him to make it, according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers, in turn, brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hands make all these things? Verse 51, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Your word is true. It is true. Whatever it says it is from your mouth, it is true. Help me to live it, help me to learn it, and help me to love it. That will change the way I think, it will change what I want, and it will uh, change what I do 
to make me more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So this is the uh, sermon or message of Stephen. And Pastor Robert has walked us so clearly through the context of this of, of this uh, uh, of this uh, sermon, and just to I'll give you a little kind of background, uh, we are in uh, Jesus has has come and he has died on the cross. He is resurrected. We're going to celebrate that in a powerful way in a few weeks, right? Um, but also he he came back and walked on the earth for a little while, and then he was ascended in heaven, and he said, go wait for my gift, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you this power. You're going to be my witnesses all over the place, right? And so they did. They went into an upper room. They prayed, and in that room, the Lord sent down uh, like uh, uh, flaming fire, tongues of fire, and a mighty rushing wind, and they were transformed as the Spirit filled them. They began to preach boldly the Word of God in all these different languages, and since, uh, and then that's the first couple chapters of Acts, and then we see uh, stories of where uh, Peter and John and some of the other apostles are preaching. They've already been arrested. They've already been brought in before the officials. They said, don't preach about Jesus anymore. And they said, you can't tell us what to do. We're going to do what God told us to do, right? And so they continued to preach. And we get to this story here where uh, not one of the apostles, but one of the ones who was appointed to minister to the needs uh, of, of those, uh, of the elderly, of the widows, uh, has now, uh, has also now been arrested or seized and is now having to also give a defense for what God is doing in his life. And let's just look at his life one more time for a second here. And who is this Stephen? The chapter 6 verse 3 tells us that this is a man of good repute, right? He, he is well known amongst the other believers as a godly man. It also tells us that he's full of grace and power in chapter 6 verse 8. It tells us that others could not withstand his defense of the gospel in verse 10. It tells us that at this story, his face is like the face of an angel in chapter 6, verse 15. It tells us that because of, of his ministry and the ministry of the others, how God has filled them with the Spirit and given them this power, that the disciples are being multiplied. There is revival in the land because not just Stephen, but others like him who are so in love with God and God has so impassioned them to reach the lost that now, even in a place where it's illegal to be a follower of Jesus, even in a place where someone could lose their job, could lose a friendship and could even lose their life, people are emboldened to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And Stephen is one of them. But it also talks about the others that are against Stephen. Because Stephen had to be stopped. He had to be stopped. These were the same people that just a few months ago were a part of the chanting, crucify him. They wanted Jesus dead. And so they want Stephen as well to be stopped. It tells us in chapter 6 verse 11 that they secretly instigated and persuaded men to lie about hearing him say blasphemous words about Moses and the temple. And we're going to talk about that in the text today, how Stephen is going to defend where he, what he believes regarding Moses and the temple. 
It says they, they stirred up others. They incited uh, others, the elders and the scribes, to go out and see Stephen. They didn't even know what Stephen was doing. But because everyone got upset and they, they put it on Facebook and Twitter and it went all out, right? People got upset and they didn't even know why. And they went and seized Stephen. It says they set up false witnesses about Stephen. Saying this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. That's a lie. It's a lie. That's not what he was doing. He was preaching the same messages they preach about Moses and the law, except he was preaching Jesus Christ. And they went and they seized him. And I think about this, the, the, the two different characters represented in this story. And just the other day, I was having breakfast with a couple brothers in Christ. We were kind of talking about men of God that we knew that were just bold for Jesus, right? Uh, thinking of... Um, a Richard Wormbrand or Brother Andrew. We were talking specifically about how these men love God so much and they didn't care. They didn't care uh, about the threats of others. They were bold and they preached Christ even when they were told not to. They said, we're going to serve God. I don't care what society is saying. I don't care what my boss is threatening. I don't care what uh, the, even the religious officials are trying to warn me not to do. I'm going to stand for God. I'm going to preach the gospel. Where are the Stevens today? God, give us more Stevens. Give us more people who are bold and refuse to back down. I want to be like Stephen. I want these young people. March 27th, pray for this church. We are going to have a day-long retreat for our young people, for our teenagers. Pray that they will learn to hear the voice of God. Pray that they will also have a boldness like Stephen because there is so many people that are going to try like this story to shut them up. And they need to be filled with the same power and the same spirit that Stephen was filled with. Pray on March 27th. And if you have a young person or you haven't signed up to register, please sign up and register. If you do not have the registration, please let me know. But let's look back at this story today. And I'm going to take this uh, message apart and give you sort of three points because that's what we do. We give three points. And uh, there are uh, three good points about this message uh, that Stephen gave uh, to uh, those who, uh, who seized him that I want you to, um, to take note of this morning. The first thing I want you to know about Stephen's message that we just read is that his message was offensive. Everybody say offensive. Offensive. Now, this, I know there's two meanings to offensive and offensive, right? We're talking about if you're not on defense, you're on what? Right, you're right. Amen. You know, your, your UVA, unfortunately, didn't get to play this weekend. They would have won, right? UVA probably would have won the championship. They didn't get to play, but they're known for their what? Defense, right? They play defense. They play it well, but then they go down to the other side of the court. And when you're on offense, you're what trying to do? Score points, right? You're trying to score points. You're trying to win the game, right? On defense, they're trying to protect their territory, they're saying, we, you know, you're, we're not going to allow you to score points or come into our territory and take anything from us. But this message for, from Stephen, it was defensive, but it was also offensive, meaning that he not only protected his territory, but he went into their territory in order to score points on them. Stephen was on trial. 
And they said, hey, listen, we know you've said things against Moses. You said things against the temple. And so Stephen says, you know what? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a defense of where I stand. And we'll get that to that later on in the message. But I'm going to tell you where I stand in regards to Moses and the temple. But you know, while I've got your attention, while I have your audience, I know you came here to put me on trial. But let me say something right now. And this gives credit to Pastor Noel. He, he and I discussed this text the other day. But they, they, they seized, uh, they seized Stephen to put him on trial. But what did Stephen do to them? He put them on trial. Even though he was in chains, even though uh, he, he was the one who was being tried, he said, listen, let me tell you, let me tell you what you need to know. There is some truth that you don't know, and I'm going to take this up. I'm going to go in your territory and tell you what you need to know. Church, I'm here to tell you today that something you need to know, the times that we are in, I believe we need to be defensive. I believe that we need to raise up men and women to know what God's word says, but I believe that in the times that we live in, we also need to go on offense. We need to go into their territory, and we need to share truth with them. Just as Pastor Noel said, we want to go into the Hispanic territory. We want to go win some over to our side. We also need to pray and ask God to give us as well the desire to go on offense. How do we go on, uh, on offense? The Bible tells us that um, the way we, the way we um, go on offense is that we also, need to, we also need to play some defense, right? I believe in what's called apologetics. Everybody heard of apologetics? It's not the study of how to apologize, even though sometimes maybe we do need to apologize. But it's the study and theology where we have to, to, to learn how to defend what we believe. I promise you, if you're here today and maybe you're here and you believe in Jesus blindly, you're not sure why you believe in Jesus, but you just know Jesus has changed your life. But maybe you're here and you're wondering, I don't even know if what I believe even makes sense. Well, let me tell you this morning, your faith makes really good sense. It makes really good sense. If you ever have a chance to do apologetics, to study and learn how to know, to believe what you believe, I assure you, you will find out that what you believe is much more reasonable than what they believe. There's a book um, uh, that's, that, that was written by Norman Geisler. It says, it takes more faith to be an atheist. Great book. If you have a chance to read it, please read it. It's kind of thick, but it will give you everything you need to know, to know for you to know that what you believe is reasonable. And I believe we need to study. We need to know why we, need to know why we believe what we believe. I had a philosophy professor that... Um, He's, he, would, he would regularly do debates, and, and he would say, when I go on a debate, he, he says, I know I'm going to win. <laughs> right? He usually debates atheists. He says, I know I'm going to win just because I know, what I, I know what I believe makes so much sense. And he says, though, that when he's in his debate, that uh, he's got his side, and you know, they have they, their side, and his side is always cheering for him. Of course, their side is always cheering for the other guy. And he says, I know, I know more than likely that, you know, what, whatever points I make, it's, it's more than likely never going to win somebody from their side over to our side. It just doesn't happen, he says. 
He's, he says, but what I, I do what I do, not because I feel like it's in vain, but I know that those on my side, when I make these points, they are strengthened in their faith. And then they will take this new confidence that they have in their faith, this excitement and this pride in their own faith, and that will motivate them and move them to go and then take their faith to the other side to convince them that Jesus is Christ. Because here's the thing. We know that a person, you know, they, they, they're, they're ignorant of God, not just because mentally they're ignorant. We know that in Romans 1, Paul says, listen, I've given everybody all the evidence they need to make a reasonable conclusion that there is a creator God, a God that loves them, and a God that wants to save them. I've given the world enough revelation for the world to turn to me, but they, they chose to ignore it, and instead they chose to worship idols. That's, that's really Romans 1. One, right? And so you're looking at a world that you can make all kinds of a sense. You can, you can tell them everything that's reasonable about your faith, but they still will refuse to, to believe it. It takes a divine encounter with God Almighty. I was so dumb. My parents brought me to church. I heard, I knew everything about, I could tell you the gospel and I didn't even love God. But there was a moment back in my life when I knew I was a sinner I knew I needed God because somebody chose to go on offense and say, listen, Jesus loves you. Jesus has a plan for your life, but you have sin and your sin, if you don't repent of your sin, it's going to lead you to hell. It's going to, it's going to kill you. It's going to destroy you, but Jesus doesn't want you to die. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants to save you. And if you receive him today, you will have a brand new life and you will go and live with Jesus forever. And I said, yes. I said, yes, and my life was changed after that. It was more than just knowledge in my head. I became a doer of God's word, not just a hearer only. And, and we need to go on defense to encourage and to strengthen our children, to encourage and to strengthen you so you will be emboldened to go out and to go on offense. So how, how do we go on offense? We got to pray. There are people in your life. There are people that are in your territory. There are people that are in your pond where you go and fish for, for, for men. They work with you. They, they may even live with you. They may be your neighbor or a couple doors down, but there are people that you know that the Spirit of God has already shown you that they're away from God, right? And even as I talk right now, they're coming to your mind, aren't they? And there are people that Jesus is saying, right, the Spirit of God is telling to you right now, will you pray for them? Will you go on offense? Will you leave your territory right now to go and try to score some points? Will you try to go and to score some points for Jesus? The next thing we do to go on offense is we proclaim. We proclaim truth. That's what Stephen did, didn't he? He said, listen, I know I'm on defense here. I know that you have arrested me and you're telling me I did this, but let me tell you about the truth. And this is the truth. There's a world out there that they don't know the truth. Listen, they, they, you may say, well, they should know better. I mean, Jesus is everywhere. There's steeples all over the place. There's programming, religious programming everywhere. 
I promise you, I go out regularly. I'm not trying to boast in myself here, but I go out regularly. And the people that I talk to, they don't know what you think they know about Jesus. They only know what maybe the media is telling them about Jesus. They're out, they're out there thinking that you hate gay people. They think you hate most Democrats. They think, they think you, um, uh, that, 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 that you're just uptight and you don't have any fun and that you're so dogmatic and that you're judging everybody. That's what they think you are. But is that who you are? That's not who you are. Is that who your Jesus is? No, that's not who your Jesus is. Who is your Jesus? They need to know the truth about Christ and Jesus. But they're not going to hear and they're not going to believe unless somebody goes and tells them about Jesus. You know, I was, last Saturday we were, um, folks, this church is sharing the gospel with Muslims. Did you know that? We, we are sharing the gospel with Muslims. I, and, you know, we're learning this. We're trying to figure out how to, first of all, God has given us a love for them. Secondly, we're trying to figure out how we can do this and how we can present Christ to them. And I was speaking with uh, one Muslim gentleman the other day, and, uh, and he said, listen, he goes, I respect all religions, right? He goes, I believe we're all worshiping the same God. He said, but your God is different. Your God was born 2,000 years ago. Our God has always existed. Is that true? That's what he was told about your Jesus. He didn't know that your Jesus had always existed. And I began to tell him about Jesus in the Old Testament. And we'll talk about that more today. But as I began to share that with him, I was on offense, right? I had the ball. I was killing some three-pointers, right? And he began to like just stop. He's like, oh. And then we talked a little bit more. And you know what he did? He received a Bible. That's a big deal. Anybody try to outreach to Muslims? Do they take Bibles all the time? No. That could, that, could, that could get them in big trouble. This Muslim man received the Bible. I'm going to go back and see him. I want to talk. I've got his name. I know where he lives. I've got his number. <laughs> you know, and we, we talk about going on offense. And I was thinking about this, this message and the illustration. And I, I know I'm using basketball analogies because this is Virginia. And that's all y'all think about is basketball. But I look at it more like capture the flag. Remember capture the flag? Remember, yeah, you got one side that's guarding their flag. You got another side that's guarding their flag, right? But let's call it capture the soul, right? Let's pretend like we're over here and the enemy's camp is over here. But, you know, we've got our, we've got our believers here and we're defending ourselves, right? We're teaching our, our children. We're teaching them how to, to, to watch out, uh, you know, and how to, how to grow in their faith. But you've got... The other side, you've got a soul over there that's in, that's in jail. Remember that? You have a, somebody there that's been in prison, and you're trying to do what? You're trying to go into their territory, right? And you're trying to get them and get them out of jail. And that's kind of the game you're playing. There are people all around you. You know who they are because the Spirit of God has just revealed them to you. And Jesus is saying, I want to use you to get them out of jail. I want you to go on offense. There's, I want to use your testimony. I want to use your faith. Because when you go to them, listen, you can't yourself get them out of jail. But what you can do is tell them about the Jesus that you love and the Jesus that loves you. And you can take Jesus' hand and put them into the, put his hand into their hand. And once he does that he's going to lead them out of their jail 
That's the, that's the game we're in. That's the offense, folks, that we need to play. And Stephen knew he was as good as dead in that moment. But he said, listen, I'm going to go on offense. Listen, I know my people are taken care of. They're going to be just fine. But I'm going to take my opportunity to preach the truth to these people, whether they receive it or not, because they need to know who the real Jesus is. God, give us a spirit of offense. Give us a spirit, God, that says, I want to reach the lost in my life. That's what I desire. This church, folks, we're going to be a church on offense. I've been in churches that just play defense. I've got some churches that aren't playing anything. They're out of the game. Don't stay away from those churches. Pray for them. But I, don't, I want to be a church on offense. Will you join me, folks? Can we go on offense together? Can we go pray for the lost? Can we go ask Jesus to help me win somebody that the Lord has put in my life? Will we get a, a, a person in every one of these chairs? Not because we're trying to grow a great name or a big church. Oh, just we just love our city. Here's the thing, when you start praying for the lost, you start knocking on doors in this city, when you start thinking about how God can use you to reach somebody, there's a grace and there's a love that enters your heart that is almost reckless love. You don't care what harm it could cause you. You have such a passion and a burden that it just compels you like it did Paul who said, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. I know they throw rocks at me. I know they hurl insults at me. I know people even in my family are going to reject me for it. But I don't care. I love my city. I love Jesus. Give me that, give me that offense, oh Lord, in my heart. Move me to preach the gospel. The second part of the message that you need to know is that not only was it offensive, but it was what? Offensive, <laughs> right? It was, it was offensive and it was offensive. And I don't even know how to say the word right. I don't know if there's a different way to say the word. I think it means, means it has two different meanings. But you know what I'm getting at. That, that Stephen, here he was and Again, he was on defense, and he said, you know what? The only way I'm going to reach these folks is if I, if I tell them the truth, and I don't kind of, you know, candy it up and make it so, so uh, uh, pleasing, but I just I, I tell them like it is, even if it offends them. And he did. He points out their hypocrisy. He says, he says uh, you read it. He says, look, you've, you've refused. You're like our people who refused Moses and made the golden calf. He said, that's, that's what you're like. He said, I know you think, you know, you're the real religious. But if you were then, if you were back then because you would have denied Christ, you would have denied the man of God, you would have been the one guilty of making that silly golden calf. I don't have time to preach that story, but that's a story. If you don't know that, you need to go back. And read that in the Old Testament. He says, you're stiff-necked. I don't know what that means, but it don't sound good. <laughs> you ever been called stiff-necked? <laughs> you're stubborn, right? You're a stubborn people. You know, here it is. Jesus was here. He, you saw him. He raised dead people. He cleansed lepers. He opened eyes of blind folks. You know his grave, his tomb is empty. And yet you still deny him and reject him. You're stiff-necked, you're stubborn, you're obstinate. He says, you're uncircumcised. <gasps> That's when you gasp. 
He called Jewish people uncircumcised because they were uncircumcised in the heart. They were proud of being circumcised. They were proud to say, hey, we're the real people of God because we're circumcised. And you can't go to heaven if you're not circumcised. But but Stephen, he went there. He said, you're uncircumcised because your heart... Yeah, you may, you may be in the flesh circumcised to God. You think you are, but God isn't looking for people who are circumcised in the flesh. He's looking for someone whose heart he, he has. He's looking for someone who will give him their heart. Because in the same circumcision text, we find out that our God is a what kind of God? A jealous God. He's not interested in what you do in the flesh. He's interested that you will give him your heart and live for him. He says, you resist the Holy Spirit. He says, you would have murdered their prophets because they proclaimed the coming of Jesus. He says, you're a murderer. You murdered Jesus. It was offensive. And if we ever live in a day where we have to tell it like it is, I believe it's the day that we live in. I believe for a long, long time, we've just kind of sat in our churches and we've just kind of taught people how to defend their faith. Again, I'm not saying that's wrong. I think that's great. I think we should do that. And we just let the world go where the world is going to go. And look where it has brought us, folks. Especially those who are older. Can you, um, did you ever imagine we would be where we are today as a society? The church has failed to go on offense. And because of that, society is decaying and corrupting because we fail to call out sin. We fail to point out to others that there is a sin problem. Jesus, he loved, nobody loves you like Jesus, right? Right, well, we don't want to offend anybody. We want to be careful that we don't do anything that will hurt somebody's feelings. But, but Jesus, he would go up into a place and he would call sin for what it is. This is sin. He even went uh, to the Pharisees, and he's had some choice words to say to the Pharisees. Yeah, you're good, loving, peaceful Jesus. He called the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. I don't have time to go there, but go and see what Jesus had to say to those folks. And it wasn't because Jesus hated them. No, he knew that in order to get through to them, he had to say something that would force them to look and expose the guilt and the shame that's in their hearts. You may you say, that's not, that's, that's, man, it, it, I thought Jesus loved the world. I thought, you know, he wanted us to talk about his grace and his love, and he does. Trust me, I believe people are lonely. I believe people are empty out there. I believe people uh, just, just need to know that there's a God that loves them. And yes, we need to go and we need to tell them God loves you and nobody loves you more than God. I sincerely, wholeheartedly believe that. But I'm so glad that April 7th, 1997, I sat before God and he exposed my heart and he showed me where I had sinned. He showed me where that sin was going to lead me to which was death and he showed me that eventually if I lived in that spiritual death it was going to lead me to hell and I repented I cried out to God for mercy I said Jesus forgive me I am a sinner I am a sinner and then because I knew my sin and when I finally received the grace of God the grace was greater because I fully saw the sin he took my sin and what did he do with it he removed it as far as the east is from the west right he took my sin away i'm like thank you jesus 
Folks, I'm telling you, I'm not trying to boast in myself, but listen, I, I don't deserve to be saved. I look at my life. I've told you this before. I grew up in church. I knew better. My folks did a good job raising me, but even though I knew better, I rebelled. I walked away from God. There are people who are away from God. They didn't know any better, and so they deserve the grace of God much more than me, but God, why would God save somebody who knew better and walked away from his grace? I don't know, but he did, and he saved me, and so I just want to tell everybody that there's a God who will save you from your sin, even in rebellion. Even in rebellion. We have to, let, we have to tell people that, that you're a sinner, and this is what your sin is. Jesus even said it. Jesus, Jesus listed a mark. There are different places in the Gospels, but here's Jesus talking in Mark chapter 7. He says, From within, out of the heart of a man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. They, they, they kill a person. They kill a person. A person dies because of these things. We have to be willing. We have to be bold to confront people and say, listen, this is a sin and it will lead you to death. We also have to tell people there's a place called hell. The church has just stopped preaching hell. We're, we're afraid to go there because we know people say, whoa, 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 you can't go there. No, you can't tell me that. Don't judge me. I'm trying to be sensitive here because, I listen, I love the city. I love the world. I, I want people to know about the loving Jesus, the gracious Jesus. But the world does not know that if they stay in their sin, that it will lead them to death and it will lead them to a place called hell. Jesus talked about hell many times. And he said in Matthew 13, 41, he said, The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. And throw them into a fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Folks, for the sake of Jesus, do not forget to know that there is a place called hell. And if we don't warn those we love, if we don't warn those in our city, then they will go to this place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't share this today to condemn anyone. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn. I came to say. He says, you already stand condemned. You know you're a sinner. But today, Jesus says, I have come to save and give eternal life. But if I tell my children about sin, if I tell them about sin and tell them about hell, they won't want to be around me anymore. They're going to say, stay away, grandma. Stay away, grandpa. Stay away from me. Don't tell me these things. One, one, a book that I, I encourage everyone to read, it was by a guy named by, by Nabil Qureshi. He was a, a, a Pakistani Muslim. He was a devout Muslim. And he wrote a book on his journey to becoming a believer. And it's, uh, it's, not, it's, like, it's read like a novel, but it's also read with a lot of good points on how to minister to Muslims. And he says in there that there, when he was in high school, he was in Virginia Beach. That's where he grew up. And he said, I knew there were churches everywhere. Hey, I knew there were Christians all over the place. We were told that Virginia, Virginia Beach, we would be persecuted. We were afraid because we thought these believers were going to bombard us and try to push their faith on us. He said, not a single person pushed, tried to push their faith on me. But one young lady 
who just loved Jesus. And he said he knew she loved Jesus. And she told me, she told me that, if, that if I died a sinner, that I would go to hell. And he says, I went back and I tried to, uh, because he was much more informed about his faith and he was able to kind of talk uh, himself out of it and kind of push her away. But he says, you, when he did come to faith in Christ, he said, you know what? I praise God for that young woman because she stood up for her faith and she told me the truth. She said, I, he said, I thought believers said Jesus loved me, but no believer ever came and told me that Jesus, Jesus loved me and that Jesus would save me from hell. There's a world out there that, you know, I know they may have a different religion. They may dress differently. They may look differently. But there's a world out there that needs to know that if they stay in their sin, not only will it hurt them now, not only will it hurt other people, but it will also, it will also lead them to a place called hell. We have to be willing to tell them the truth. And I tell you, this church will preach sin and we will preach hell, not so we can condemn anyone, so that hopefully we can win folks to Jesus. And the last thing we need to know about this message this morning, maybe I'd say one of the most important things that we need to know is that Stephen's message to these hostile group of folks was that it was Christ exalting. He exalted Jesus throughout the entire message. Now, again, they hurled accusations about blasphemy against Moses, but he goes through and he gives a correct description of who Moses was and what Moses did. You know, so he wasn't blaspheming Moses and he honored Moses, right? But, but here, here's the thing. Stephen basically is saying, listen, you worship the man that was sent by God, but I worship the God who sent the man. Amen. And that's a very powerful statement for us to know today. Basically, he's saying, listen, Jesus was that angel who appeared to Moses in the bush. And if you look through the Old Testament, where is Jesus? Jesus is all over the Old Testament. You know, he's not, his name is not listed as Jesus, but he is sometimes referred to as the angel of the Lord. He was the one who initiated that covenant with Abraham. He existed even before Moses existed. He was always, always greater than Moses. And this was the message that Stephen was trying to get across to the hearers. Jesus was the one who told Moses that, that God, Jesus, had come down to deliver his people. Yes, he used a man to do it, but it was God that was doing the work. Moses didn't do the work. It was Jesus that sent Moses as the ruler and the redeemer. Man cannot be a redeemer. Only Jesus, only God himself can redeem men from their sins. But he used Moses to reflect or to, to uh, communicate who God was to the people. Jesus was the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai. Jesus was the one who gave the law is what he's trying to convey to those who are listening to his message. Listen, Moses was nothing without Jesus. Moses is basically is what he's telling those who are listening to his uh, discourse. Moses is nothing without Jesus. And us too, folks, listen, we must exalt Jesus and not a man. 
I promise you, this church will be a church that will exalt Jesus and we will not exalt man. We won't exalt religious leaders. We won't exalt political leaders. We won't exalt anyone who may even come in the name of Jesus. We will honor those people and we will thank God that he sent those people to us. But in this church, you will never hear us exalt a man. We will only exalt Jesus Christ because man is nothing without Jesus. Now, God calls man to do extraordinary things, but it's always for whose purpose? God's purpose. Man is nothing without God. We do not idolize people in this church. And let me say it again. We will not idolize any person, any man in this church. We will only exalt Jesus Christ. I went to a, when I was living up north, I met a believer at another church, and she said, uh, she goes, yeah, we, church is growing. She says, if you want to be in our church, if you want to be a member, you have to go through a Calvin class. You know, I'm like, Calvin class? Is that the, is that the comics, Calvin and Hobbes? <laughs> no, he's talking about Calvin, uh, the, the, the great theologian. And, uh, and, and I was thinking, why, why do you got to go through a Calvin class? She said, well, you got to know the teachings of Calvin in order to really be able to serve in our church. I'm like, Weird. You know, John Calvin, I'm sure he did say, it says, it says some great things. We quote some Calvin things from time to time. But in this church, we won't exalt even a great historical leader. We will quote them from times when they had something good to say to exalt Jesus. But you will not hear, we will not exalt Calvin or Luther or, or Spurgeon or Trump or Obama. We won't exalt political leaders. We won't exalt religious leaders. You will not hear that in this church. We will only exalt Jesus Christ. We can't look at men. There was a great apologetics um, teacher, uh, um, well-known in, in, the, in the country. I'm not going to say his name. But recently, he, he, uh, he passed away, and it came out that there were great moral failures. But I know people that would quote this man and his writings more than they would the Word of God, that they idolize this man. And now there's a crisis in their faith, and me included. I looked up to this man. I looked up to his writings. I didn't necessarily idolize him, but when I found out he committed a failure, and he lived in that failure for a long time without repentance, it hurt. And for some people, it really crushed them. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Don't look at what Robert is doing or what Jay or Noel or Autumn or anyone else is doing. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. So that when something does happen, because we're a man, I'm a man. Did you know that? You knew that because you've been, some of you have been around, you know, I say some really ridiculous things sometimes. <laughs> I'm a man. Pastor Robert's a man. He's no different than anybody in this church. There may be others here that praise more than him. He's over there saying, no, you don't. <laughs> He's a man. But we can't look at men. Listen, listen, Jesus, I'm going to stop right here. We're almost done. We're almost done. But Jesus gives us a warning. He says, in the last days, there will be men, women. And I, when I say man, I'm including women, right? Because right now I don't even know what kind of gender there are. We know there's a man and a woman. Right. When I say man, I'm referring to mankind, okay? <laughs> Just to be clear, those who are watching, everybody. <laughs> Jesus says in the last days, there will be false teachers and false prophets. They will come and they will proclaim they are, they are Christ. 
and they will come. And many a times he says, even the elect, if you're not careful, the elect, they're going to be, and they're going to be listening and they're going to hear what these people have to say. And they're going to, Ooh, ah, oh, and they're going to start giving their money to this person. They're going to start reading all this person's books. They're going to follow this person wherever he talks and preaches. They're going to start quoting this person more than the word of God. And this person is not sent by God. They are false prophets and they are false teachers and they are all over the place. They write books and they put these books in Christian sections and bookstores. They show up in, in um, uh, Christian book distributors, but they are not speaking on behalf of Jesus. They're speaking on behalf of themselves. They are greedy. They are peddlers of the word of God and they're trying to get you to buy into what they're doing. Be careful. Warning, warning, warning. Because if you're not careful, they will lead you straight to humanism. And if you live, if you have a humanistic faith, and what is that? That's a faith where the object of your worship becomes you and not Jesus. And your prayers are like, bless me, Jesus, bless me, Jesus, bless me, Jesus. You've got to be careful. What can you do for me, Jesus? Be careful from those. They are false prophets and they are false teachers. Don't look at men. Don't look at me. You look, not to say there's not good stuff to read out there. You know, we can talk about that. You can come discuss that. You know, we can talk about what, what's good out there, but you have to be you have to be cautious and you have to be in prayer because they will come and they will lead you away from Jesus. Another accusation was that uh, Stephen was blaspheming the, the temple. And Stephen says, I acknowledge that God gave us the tabernacle. He says, listen, I know it was great. It was a good time. There was a tent there. Moses would go in and the spirit of God would fill it. He'd come out. His face would glow. Woo! And I believe that God gave David the design of the new temple that his son later Solomon would build. And I know sacrifices would go up in there. I know the glory filled that place. I know how the people would come and worship and pray there. I know that people would glorify this box, this big box. One time a little box, now it's a big box. But I don't worship a box, Stephen says. I worship and just like he doesn't worship the man sent by God, he says, I don't worship the institution or the temple or the building that, that God gave us. I worship the God of the temple. I worship the God of the, the institution uh, that God has given us. That's the God that I worship because, listen, the God that I pray to, when I met Jesus, I used to think that only God was just these traditions, was just these rituals, and just these, this building that I went to. It was what my mom and dad did. It was the songs that we sang. But then and I met Jesus and I found out that God was bigger than a box. He was bigger than my traditions. And now I know, and I can confidently stand before you right now. I know you're going to end my life for it, but I will never, never make, put God in a box or lower him or minimize him to something that he's not. Listen, folks, you, God saved you. You exist because God has a plan to, to, to use you to, to, to exalt Jesus all over this city, all over this world. You exist. God saved you. He foreknew that you would be conformed in the likeness of his son, and you would go and be Christ bearers all over your community. We're here to exalt Jesus. Listen, I'm telling you, this church will never exalt this church as an institution. 
We won't. We will not worship or idolize this church. We won't idolize, worship any man. We won't even idolize or worship any doctrine. What we will do is idolize and honor and exalt Jesus Christ only. We're not church worshipers. Now, thank God for the institution. Thank God for yesterday. Were you here yesterday? Oh, man, you missed it. If you were not here, you got to go online and find the teaching of spiritual warfare yesterday. Every believer needs to hear that. If you were here yesterday, watch it again. The things that were taught to us out of this institution are things you and I need to exalt Jesus all over our world. So I'm happy for the institution. I'm happy for the teachers. I'm excited for the building. Praise God for the building, right? And the chairs you got. Thank God for the equipment. Thank God for your faithfulness and giving that we're able to do the things that we're doing. But listen, even if we didn't have this, if something happened and we had to now meet in people's homes, I promise you, we would not be upset because our eyes will be on Jesus. We'll worship the same Jesus there that we worshiped in here, whether we have a building, chairs, finances or not. Because listen, we are called to exalt Jesus only. I can tell you stories all over the world. I can tell you a picture right now in a place in the world where if a person was found out they were meeting here, they could be killed. They have to pick this thing up and move it from time to time because the religion, other religious leader find out where it's at and they have to pick the church up and take it somewhere else. But people go to that little hutch roof with the bamboo sticks sticking up. They sit on a rock for a seat and they go and they worship God and they're filled with the spirit. And they and they and they've lived for God just as much as any of us in this institution do because their eyes are on Jesus. We exalt Jesus. Let's go ahead and close this morning. Father, let's pray. Father. I'm so happy, Jesus, that I have this group of fellow believers that I get to serve you with. I love these people. I love them so much. I think of them a lot. I pray for them. I get to talk to them. I get to pray with them. I get to hear their story about how you came and saved their soul. God, I love this church. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, our times together are memorable. Lord, what you do, I know I can already list off several things that were so transforming in my life because of how I experienced you in this church with these believers. But Lord, please answer this prayer of ours and agree with me now, church. Please pray, pray for this. We need God to do this in our church. But Father, I just pray that you will continue to keep in us a heart to go on offense, God, to go into their territory. Like that sign says, you are now entering the mission field. That God, we will go and we will pray for our city, for our world. We will pray for unbelievers that are in our life and we'll say, God, use me. God, I pray, use my words. Use my deeds. Open a door God, I want to go on offense today. With every head bow and every eye closed this morning, if the Lord is speaking to you right now and you're saying, I'm ready to get on the get on the team, Chris. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to
to go on offense. If that's you this morning, every head bow, every eye closed, I want you to say, Chris, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to slip up my hand this morning and I'm going to say, I'm ready to go on offense. Who would boldly do that today and say, I am ready to join this team and to reach my city for Jesus. Amen. 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 Hands are going up. Amen. Amen. I see your hand. I see your hand. Amen. Who else this morning? Who's ready to go on offense and reach the city for Jesus? Hallelujah. Our team just got bigger. (laughs) Our team just got bigger, folks. God's calling people. This team we're on. We're going to reach more people. We're going to have more baptisms. We're going to fill these seats with people. There are going to be people singing the songs of Jesus in this church because you said, yes, Lord, I will go. But maybe you're here today and you heard me talk about sin. And you want to serve God. You know it is reasonable to serve God. You know that yes, the God of this book, the God of this Bible is the true God. But this morning there's a sin issue in your life. You can't serve him because there's a sin that's controlling you. And you know if you stay in that sin, it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt other people. And you know if you stay in that and live in that sin, that sin is going to take you to places you never thought you would go. Right here in this life. But not only that, if you stay in that sin, it's going to lead you straight to a place called hell. A place of eternal condemnation. A place where the fire does not go out. A place where there's gnashing of teeth. And this morning you're saying, Pastor Chris, I'm ready to repent from that sin. I'm ready to turn to Jesus. I'm ready to be free because I know that Jesus, he's the one that will save my soul and forgive my sin and give me a brand new life. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come forward. I want you to step out and say, I'm ready to turn my life to God. I'm ready to live for Jesus. Come on this morning, if that's you. Make that decision. Say yes to God. Say yes to God. If you're listening online and you're making that decision this morning to follow Jesus, this morning I want you to put it in the comments and I want you to say, yes, I need forgiveness. I need to get my life right with God. Jesus, pray Jesus, save me. Forgive me. Thank you for saving me and forgiving me, Lord. And God, because of his death, because of his resurrection, you can be forgiven and you can overcome your sin and you can have the assurance that you belong to Jesus and have eternal life. morning I feel like I feel like my spirit there is somebody you're wrestling with it this morning I had to we all had to I did I had to walk in front of several thousand people I stepped out of my chair but I knew I didn't want the sin to control me anymore I wanted to be free from it and I stepped out and as soon as I stepped out and I walked forward and I touched the altar 
Jesus just took the weight and the guilt of that sin off of me. And he spoke to me, I love you and I have a new life for you. That's the promise that Jesus has. Yes, sin, it destroys. It hurts, it hurts you, it hurts other people. And you don't have to let that do that to you or anyone else anymore. Jesus can set you free from it. And you can walk in the plan that he has for you, a plan of abundant life. altars are also open for anything you need prayer for this morning. I believe that Jesus is here with us and I believe I know that he will heal you. I know that he will set you free. I know that if you come and intercede on behalf of someone else and stand in the gap for them, that Jesus will hear your prayers. We have people that will come and pray pray with you or pray for you here. And so please know this morning that if you need anything and you need prayer for anything, we do not want to end this service until we've had an opportunity to pray for you. we close this morning, I want you to think of one or two folks that are in your life that the Holy Spirit reveals to you that are away from God. You know they're away from God. They are in sin. Can you begin to intercede for them? Can you begin to ask God, say, God, use me. Use me to to reach out to them. Help me to help me to tell them, Lord, the seriousness of sin. Help me to do it in a way that's loving that conveys your love, but also in a way, Jesus, that lets them know how serious their sin issue is. God, open that door. Give me a divine appointment. Help me to invite them to church. Give me the faith I need to even say, hey, would you like to come to church? They'll hear the gospel here. God, please, Lord. I've got two right now in my head that I'm thinking of myself. Oh, God, I don't want him to go to hell. I don't want him to stay in his sin, Jesus. Oh, Lord, use me, God, I pray. I want him to know you. I want him to know how much you love him. I want him to live in this life that I'm living, God. I don't want to be selfish and keep this to myself. Oh, God, I want to go on offense. Help me, Lord, to reach him. Thank you again for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope you enjoyed today's message and that it encouraged you to take a step closer to Jesus. Please reach out to us if there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about. To get more information about Riverstone Church, you can visit riverstonechurch.net. God bless you this week, and may you walk in all of Christ's promises and plans for your life.